0: If you're here inside, those of you who are outside, good morning to you, and uh, for folks joining us online. We're so glad that you're here with us this morning. We're going to turn our attention, as we have been, to God's Word. We're studying that section of Matthew 5, which is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. So I'm going to invite you to find that in your worship guide or up on the screens, and let's read God's Word aloud together. From Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read this morning from verses 1 through 7. Let's read together. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're looking this morning at blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And you know, the early church spent a lot more time in the Beatitudes than the modern church really has. And and they they really gave themselves to these sort of pithy sayings of Jesus. And so they're all over writing and architecture from the early church. This is something they really meditated on. They, they had the observation over and over, different people in the early church made the observation. We're moving into sort of the second half of the Beatitudes. And the first half are all passive. They sort of describe people who are in need, the poor in spirit, the, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the meek, those who mourn. And, and the second are more active. They describe not a person who's in need, but a person who's going out into the world to address those in need. So this today kind of marks a transition where we're going from who we are as people in need to people who are engaging the needs of the world. What does it mean to go out and to show mercy? And, you know, the early church particularly dug into this one. This was really, really important. Uh, And they describe mercy two ways. A kindness shown, and a punishment withheld, but uh, like a a positive and a negative. A kindness shown, a punishment withheld, and a lot of times we use the words mercy in our context in, in the church, sort of, and mix it up with other words. And, and I just want to make sure we're clear on this. Mercy and grace are two words, particularly that we use together, and yet they're not the same thing. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. And and even though we can go through a bunch of details and of definitions, it's a lot easier to kind of illustrate this than it is even to define it. So let me give you a couple illustrations of mercy. Back in 2006, in October of that year, my family was living in Philadelphia. And just down the road from us, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, was sort of the epicenter of the Amish community. If you're not familiar with the Am- Amish community, it's a Christian community that's given in themselves to separation from the world and pacifism and simplicity. So they drive horse and buggies. Uh, they don't have modern technology for the most part. Um, and on this particular day, October 2nd of 2006, a man named Charles Roberts entered into a one-room schoolhouse in the Amish community, armed and Dangerous. And he first took hostages of the students, and then he began shooting. And five little girls, ages six through 13, um, were killed before he committed suicide. But what uh, what was really striking about this particular incident was the response of the Amish community to the widow of the shooter and the way that they responded very publicly um, and this is one of the grandfather of the of the murdered Amish girls took his, yellow, his younger relatives aside and said to them this, said, you, we must not think evil of this man. I don't think there's anybody here who wants to do anything but forgive and not only reach out to those who have suffered a loss, but to reach out to the family of the man who committed these acts. And so this man's wife, the widow of the shooter, was invited to the funerals, was was embraced by the community of the Amish in such a way that she wrote a letter later on saying this about the forgiveness and the mercy of the Amish community. Your love for our family has helped provide the healing we so desperately needed. Gifts you've given have touched our hearts in a way no words can describe. Your compassion has reached beyond our family and our community and is changing our world. And we sincerely thank you for this. That's mercy. Undeserved kindness. Undeserved kindness. Punishment withheld. Kindness given. Now, I have to ask the question, though. Do we like that? Do we like mercy? I'm not sure that I do. So that same year, we're living in Philadelphia, and this also happened. There was a man who was, the police put out a report at large. They had identified him as the rapist of a young girl, 11 years old. And they put out a police report looking for him. Well, the community got word of this. The mother of the young girl uh, made it known in the Kensington community neighborhood of Philadelphia, I want this man dead. And this is what happened. A dozen neighborhood residents found the man and cornered him and began a process of of beating him. The police got called and they made it just in time. The man was put in ICU, and he survived. But this is what was said. Uh, One of the residents said, this is justice community style. It's a beautiful thing. And the police chief of Philly said this. These people took this case to heart. It says a lot about the community, (laughs) even though he said, you know, vigilante justice, not good. Now, I want to know which one do we really like? Uh, truth be told mercy is not something that's that attractive to us even though you know we might hear stories we're like oh oh kindness shown punishment withheld i think we a lot of more times love the come up love, love the vengeance love vigilante justice i mean True confessions of your pastor this morning. One of my favorite Twitter follows is this guy called the Philly Offensive. This is leftover from when I was in Philly. Okay, so uh, you can blame those years for this. But this guy, uh, he loves telling people where to go. He loves confronting people who are throwing trash on the street or who are pregnant and smoking. And you know, he's like, "Do you love hospital food?" Right? And I love this guy. Am like, I? You know, so not very nice. I know I'm not a very nice person. Right? So. But, like, do I love mercy? I'm not sure I do. And, you know, our denomination doesn't, is not really known for our mercy. Uh, you may not know who this person is. J. Gresham Machen was a person who was a theologian who led Presbyterian churches in the early part of the 20th century in being true to God's word. And after that, Presbyterian churches have been known ever since as Machen's warrior children. We love to fight. We have to argue. Are we known for our mercy? Not really. So I have to ask this question. As much as we would sing about mercy and we like read a lot in this book about mercy, do we love mercy? Do we really love a a kindness given, a punishment withheld? I'm not so sure that we do. You know, if you had to fill in this sentence today, what what does our country need to see from the Christian community the most right now? I doubt most people would say mercy, but I wonder, I think Jesus might. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be given mercy because that's who Jesus is. Mercy is Jesus. Listen, Listen to what Jesus actually says here. He doesn't say all the things that we think he should say. Hey, congratulations to the staunch Blessed are the strict. Fortunate are the hardcore. Right? He he doesn't uh, say, blessed are those who call other people out. That's what everybody really needs right now, is a good calling out. As we see the standards being lowered, we need more radicals to hold the line. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are the radicals who hold the line. He he doesn't say, um, we don't need more mercy for those who are responsible for all this mess. Jesus says, blessed are... Are the merciful. In fact, this, this beatitude, as I've described it, the beautiful life, this word for merciful is only used one other place in the whole of the New Testament. And it's used in Hebrews 2 to describe Jesus. Again, this is what it says of him For this reason, Jesus had to be made like other people, fully human in every way, in order that he may become a merciful. And faithful high priest in service to God that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Merciful. You know, mercy is what nobody expects, nobody deserves, but it's what everybody needs. We see this over and over in the New Testament. It's a picture of Jesus, right? Jesus was not soft on sin. Jesus was not known for uh, contradicting Scripture. Jesus surely knew what, what sin was. I mean, so much so, He went to the cross for it. And yet, when the Pharisees saw Him eating with notorious sinners, with tax collectors, with prostitutes, they said to His disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And this is what He said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but... It's for those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire what? Mercy. I desire mercy. Mercy is what nobody expects. It's what everybody everybody needs. It's what nobody deserves. Mercy is Jesus. Jesus' ministry was marked by this kind of mercy. Again, another confrontation with the Pharisees. Their focus on getting everything just right. And this is what he says to them. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, because you tithe the mint and the dill and the cumin. You've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy. Those are the things you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides straining out the gnat and swallowing the camel. I know that's a weird phrase. But Jesus is like, you're focusing, the focus on the trivialities. And you're missing the big point. The focus on what really doesn't matter, and you've missed the big thing that does matter: the gnat versus the camel. No mercy is what nobody expects and nobody deserves, and what everyone needs. I mean, think about Jesus' ministry over and over: mercy to the undeserving, mercy to blind Bartimaeus, mercy to the woman at the well, mercy. Uh, to Jairus. Mercy to the garrison demoniac. Mercy to the woman caught in adultery. Mercy to Mary and Martha. Mercy over and over to those disciples. And us. And us. You and I, the Bible tells us, are dead in our sin. And that, that's, we, we talk about being guilty sinners. And, and all of that's very common language in the church. But I love how I, I listened to one pastor put it this way. If sin were the color blue we would all be smurfs. I would be bald smurf. I don't know, like, you know, grumpy smurf maybe, right? Um, But if sin were blue, we'd all be smurfs. This is who we are. It's all over us. And Romans 5 tells us, while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That's me. And that's you. You know, my favorite word in that whole passage is while. While we were sinners, I'm not saved by my quiet time streak, by my church involvement. I'm not saved by being a little bit better than my neighbors. I'm not saved by how much scripture I have committed to heart or how many of these songs that I know. I'm saved only by the mercy of God. You know, I want to encourage you this week to sit in Matthew 18. Jesus tells us this parable to help us enter into mercy. He describes a man who owes an enormous debt to the king, 10,000 denarii. And we, we don't have a category for that. That's uh, One writer says it's like thinking about the national debt. It's something you can't ever repay, right? You know that number, the clock that ticks or the, the, the tally that ticks? Well, we're never going to be repaid. And he comes to the king and he begs for mercy. And again, what kind of insane request is that. And yet the king, in an act of sheer patience and unbelievable kindness, forgives him the debt. And then the man goes out, finds one of his neighbors who owes him one denarii, equivalent to a gallon of gas, and grabs him by the collar and shakes him and says, pay me what you owe me. And the king finds out about this and like, what in the world? I've 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 forgiven you so much. I've shown such mercy to you and you can't show mercy to your to this your neighbor. This is this is what I hear the Lord saying to me in this. Jeff, every time that you refuse to show mercy, that you hold a grudge, you hold on to bitterness, you hold on to some kind of righteous anger that you think you have, it's high treason. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral or idolaters or adulterers nor men who practice homosexuality or thieves or greedy or drunkards or revilers, or swindlers would inherit the kingdom of God. Here's my favorite part. And such were some of you. And such were some of you. How much has the Lord forgiven you? You know, I am now on my fifth driver I'm teaching to drive. and One of the things we have to talk about a lot is the rearview mirror. You know the difference between the windshield and the rearview mirror. One's really small, one's really big for a reason. You know, you don't stare at the rearview mirror. You glance, right? You don't, you don't do this. You, you glance while you're driving so you can know what's going on around you. And, and, and I think this connects to us as we go forward in life. One of the things we need to see so much is that glance backwards. And such were some of you. Glancing back and remembering what happened in your past. The Lord's incredible forgiveness while I was still a sinner. While I was still a sinner. You know, you don't stare at that. You don't live in the past But as you're looking forward through the windshield of life, if you're moving out into relationships, you're moving out into your life, you're moving out into this world, you continually glance. That's me. What I'm seeing in front of me is true about what God has done in me. He's given me mercy. This is why mercy is the way of Jesus. For his people. It's what marks his followers. Those who've been shown mercy are called into this sending mercy, a go and do likewise mercy. Now, to be clear, it's not, this isn't a, a tit for tat with the Lord. You know, we, we can't say, um, Is Jesus saying, I'm going to withhold mercy until you show mercy. Is that what, is that what this beatitude is? No, it, it, if it were, we don't have a hope. You know, we will never bottom out or use up or, or outkick our coverage of God's mercy. We're never going to use it up. It, 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 there's no short supply. There, there's no run on mercy. Oh, no, what's going to happen? There is an abundance of this for us. Right? And, and God is not calling us to earn our mercy by mercy. I, that wouldn't make any sense. Mercy, if you earn it, it's no longer mercy. That's a wage. right? It's, it's a gift. Undeserved kindness. When God asks I think when God asks us at the end of our lives, at the great day when we are welcomed in open arms, we're welcomed home, I think when that happens, and God says, Give me a, tell me about the life of mercy that you've led. He's not asking for a, a timesheet or a report card, He's going to be asking for your medical report. All those ways that you needed His mercy, all those places in your life, where you came to the end of self and you were shown over and over again to be, what do we say, a debtor to mercy alone. Like, I needed this over and over. And so Christ's mercy is an act of mercy. This is the bizarre thing of what I've been calling these beatitudes, Not the beatitudes, these beatitudes. It's an entry, it's an invitation into the beautiful life. We get to experience again This is the invitation of Jesus in this. We get to experience again His mercy as He invites us to be vehicles and conduits of His mercy. What does that look like? People who've been shown mercy show mercy. Here's what it's not, okay? This is not, and some of y'all are my Enneagram people, this is not the unhealthy two. I just need to be needed. I just need to be helping out somewhere. I need need to fix things for other people. That's not what this is. This is how can I not? How can I not? I've been given so much mercy. It's overflowed in my life. That's what mercy is not. Here's what mercy is. It's costly. It's always costly. Undeserved mercy was costly for Jesus. I and mean, that's the understatement I've made in this sermon, right? It's costly for Jesus. Of course, it's costly for us. It's hard. It calls for something deep within that I may not want to do. It's proactive. This is how it's different from meekness meekness is passive, it's a lack of response and retaliation. But mercy is active, it's moving outward, it's stepping into the rubble, it's moving toward the undeserving. It's moving toward those who don't deserve this. And it's shame off you. I know we we use this phrase in our culture: shame on you. Did y'all grow up with shame on you? Any of this? I don't even know what this is. Peeling carrots? <laughs> why, is, why is peeling carrots shame? I, I don't know. But, but real mercy is the opposite of that. I mean, I'd love for this to be a phrase that we all used all the time: shame off you. You know, where we walk around as people who are conduits of mercy, removing shame. Can you imagine what it would be like to have those kind of friends? To be in that kind of a church? To be around those kind of people? Shame off you people? Let me make this really concrete. Um, no hypotheticals for this sermon this morning. This is all, um, this is all practical, and this is where I'm going to push you. Uh, mercy is forgiveness For the one who's undeserving, and I want to dig into that. What does it mean to forgive someone who is undeserving? Uh, Not not just somebody who's hurt your feelings or stepped on your toes a couple times, but who has deeply wronged you. What does it mean to show mercy? It means you don't trivialize the wrong. Oh, no big deal. That is a lie, and nice Southern people say that all the time. Don't worry about it. That is not mercy. That's trivializing hurt. You don't pretend, but you do the work to forgive. To give mercy is to set aside the justice that you have a right to because you have been wronged. To set aside the justice that you have a right to in order to restore the offender. You know, when we pray the Lord's Prayer in our church. We use this language, don't we, about forgiveness, about Forgive our, what's a D word? Come on. Debts as we forgive our, right? All wrong creates a debt. God says that. God says that. There, there's something owed, there's some deficit. Sin creates indebtedness, and forgiveness chooses not to collect on the debt. Forgiveness says, You owe me. God says that that's true. But you are free and queer. I'm paying your debt like he paid my debt. I'm gonna absorb this emotional pain. My life was diminished by you in some way. That is true, and I'm not pretending about it. I'm not pretending that's not really true, but you don't have to give it back. You probably couldn't anyway. My life story has been changed by your wrong, but it was changed a long time ago in a much greater way. By God forgiving my wrongs, a God who died for me. So I choose mercy today. I'm not going to hold this against you. I'm not going to gossip about it. I'm not going to hold a grudge. You are free. I release you. I release you. That's what mercy thinks. That's what the merciful think because that's what God thinks. This is who our Savior is. That kind of forgiveness, let me just be honest about that. That is supernatural. That is God working in the life of a normal, everyday person like you and me, doing something that's absolutely against our nature. I mean, we want vengeance. We want the comeuppance. We want karma. God working something supernatural in us. Just like in the story about the Amish and that widow, Charles Roberts. You know, and, and some people, let me just warn you about this. Some people, and especially Christians, will oppose this. If they see you showing undeserved forgiveness, there are lots of well-meaning people who be like, you shouldn't be doing that. Right, that's not okay. Don't do that. You're, you're foolish. You're an idiot. How? You should be militant. It's time to be hardcore. They will misunderstand that and they won't won't like it. It will offend them. But Jesus says, of that mercy, of that forgiveness, blessed are you. Fortunate are you. Lucky, you're entering into something supernatural. Jesus is not just calling us. And let me just remind you of this. He's not calling us just to like a couple of isolated acts of mercy. Man, man. You know, where you're like breaking your arm to pat yourself on the back. Like, man, great job. He's calling us to a lifestyle. One that looks at the world and says what everyone needs, nobody expects. Nobody deserves mercy. He's not saying sin is no big deal. Uh, He's calling us, though. He's calling us as his people into this beautiful life, creating a new environment, a new, a new kind of family, a new kind of community where mercy is what defines us. Mercy for the undeserving. Patience with sinners. You know, the older I get, um, and I, I'm 51, um, I, I'm just sort of surprised at God's patience with me. You know, I haven't changed all that much. I'm not all that much more mature than I was at 18. Haven't really progressed lots. I'd love to stand up in front of you like, man, I am really so far ahead of everyone. So awesome to be your pastor. Right? No, I I just, I'm sort of amazed at God's patience. Like his long-suffering endurance. And isn't that what everyone needs? Like we're not people who are actually improving all that much. I mean, what would it be like to be in a community that's defined by patience for one another? The merciful are patient in forgiving. Let me go another step. Jesus is not saying, bless those who forgive now and then or forgive frequently, but bless those who are so invaded by God's mercy that they express this in forgiving over and over. To be a Christian means to forgive the unexcusable in other people because God has done that in you. And, you know, in all but a few cases, mercy means being open to restoration of the relationship. And let me just qualify, some of y'all are really struggling. There are places where it's not safe to enter back into a relationship. But by and large, most cases, we do have an opportunity. And it's not unsafe. We're just not really that interested in entering back into a relationship. Mercy Mercy in so many cases means stepping back into relationship. Uh, The writer Anne Lamott uh, puts this in her book, Plan B, really well. I know some of y'all may not like Anne Lamott. She doesn't stand for all the right things, but man, she gets forgiveness. One of the things that she says is this, Earth is forgiveness school. Earth is forgiveness school. Start at the dinner table. That way you can do this work in comfortable pants. I love that. See, you could put it this way. Being merciful just means turning toward the poor in spirit, turning toward them. Kindness, welcoming the undeserving into the prodigal's dinner. Mercy is what nobody expects, nobody deserves, what everyone needs. Shame off you, mercy. So here's the conclusion for today no story, no uh, wrap it up, awesome ending, uh, because this is not a sermon that's theoretical. Right, this is a sermon. Uh, you can't go get in the car after worshiping, like, man, that was a great message. Great. God, I learned something today. You know, this is one that you have to respond to. This is a today call for every person. If you're under the tent, if you're online, if you're in this room, this is a today, right now call for all of us to forgive, to let go of bitterness, to let go of the grudges, to show mercy. I mean, remember, I don't show mercy to get saved. I I show mercy because I am. I I, I show mercy because I've been shown mercy. One of the ways that we know we've received mercy is that we don't hold on to it. We, We don't view God's mercy in our lives like a scarce resource. We're not like, oh, this is our reservoir that's in storage for me when I need it. God doesn't call us to a reservoir. He calls us to the lifestyle of a river. River never stays still. The water is always flowing. It's never the same river any second. It, it, all the molecules are different every time. And so God calling us, blessed are the merciful, he's giving us an opportunity, opportunity to enter into his mercy and to be that kind of riverbank bank where we find that, like, you use it up, and there's so much more. You allow it to flow through, you, you know, there's even more. You're not going to run out. It's not a scarce resource. So every person, again, has a right-now opportunity to experience God's mercy by showing mercy. So I want you to think about your week, because there is, for all of us, that hard person, that conversation, uh, the snub, that point of pain you've experienced from somebody else. I know there is, because we're all people. We live in a world of sinners. You know this, It may be somebody in this room, maybe your extended family, maybe your spouse, maybe your kid, your parent, maybe somebody at work, but you know who it is. That person that when you walk by them, you get that tightness, or you go the other way, or suddenly you're really busy, just really busy, right? You get quiet. But today, here's my request of you today. Today, as we come to the Lord in confession and communion, can you glance up in the rearview mirror? Can you look up? Even as you're moving forward into life, can you look up and say, yeah, and such were some of you while we were still sinners. Christ died for the ungodly. Such were some of us Mercy, it's what nobody expects and nobody deserves, but everybody needs. Go and do likewise. Let's pray together. Father, this is a hard word because it's so true to our experience this week. And yet, Lord, would you come and minister to us right now? You're present to us, your spirits here. We have things that could cause us to break down in tears right here. And Lord, we need your healing work in us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.